Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. everybody and welcome to episode 94 of the weird wacky and wonderful stories podcast hi everybody good to be back it is good to be back obviously we had the episode last week that we did with mr black which Mm -hmm. has got some excellent reviews so really really pleased about that people are loving that episode cool yeah it was actually pretty interesting i'm still trying to get my head around earth having rings that was like the best part of the whole thing i'm like oh wow we used to have ring wings Wings. wings. We used to have wings. Rings. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> Jeez. We used to have rings. Take four. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously some of us have still got rings, but... Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was that was a revelation. I didn't know that either. We have some other interesting stuff about the Earth today, don't we, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. And obviously we've got your usual suspects turning up later on. Ruth Roper Wild and Richard Lenny will be along to give their reports for the month. I love Ruth and Richard because they've always got really interesting things to talk about. Yeah, they actually do research, so uh, yeah. rather than us. <laughs> Before we get into the show today, there are a few little things that I'd like to mention. Things that I've been working really hard on in the background. I mentioned it very briefly at the start of the episode last time, but I want to mention it again this time and go into a little bit more detail. So You said hard. I said hard. Mm-hmm. Been working hard on. <laughs> I've been working hard on. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, enough said about that. The better. Moving okay. on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> I've gone all wed. <laughs> so uh, I really have. <laughs> you throw me. I had a nice flow going until you said that. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what she said. <laughs> so yeah, been working really hard, comma on the website. <laughs> And there are some features that I wanted to talk to you about. So I'm going to look at it as I... Was you? Oh, fuck off. (laughs) I'm going to look at it as I talk to you about it. So I remember to say everything. So first of all, it's had a little bit of a revamp. We're using a dark mode now. Yes. I'm feeling the dark mode. um, We're finally kind of getting with the times, I guess. Yeah, I know. Now I've I've implemented dark mode. Everyone's going to be saying our dark mode yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So as soon as you go to our website now, it will show you right at the start, top of the page, our most recent episode. So you know you can always catch our most recent episode. If you go there, get that. That's no problem. You can actually share it right from here now as well, which I'm not sure that you could do on the last website. And you don't have to download it. You don't have to download it, no. If you don't want to, you can actually stream it. That's absolutely fine. And then when you scroll down the page, you've got the rest of the most recent episodes, but you've then got pages. So you've got your episodes page where you'll get all of our episodes. You've got an about section, which is some information about Bella and I, and also Ruth, Richard, and Tom as well. And Bryce. And Bryce. Forgot about Mm -hmm, Bryce. Yeah, mm -hmm. shouldn't forget about Bryce. 
There's a section there where you can read our most recent reviews. Now, unfortunately, I apologise to anyone from anywhere other than the United States. For some reason, it only picks up the United States reviews. That's because of the way it checks them on Apple. So I apologise for anyone who's done a review that doesn't show on there. But I just want you to know that we do get to see them. And if you do send us a review outside of the US, we'll mention it on the show. Okay, just as a little thank you for doing that as well. We've got a listener's office section where we will be uh, bringing you nice links to some of the books that we feature on the show from some of the authors that we deal with. And if you follow those links and you do happen to buy a book, it actually supports our show as well. So it's not going to cost you any more or anything like that, but it means that we get a little bit of a kickback from Amazon. So that's going to help us through. Because we need support. As we need all the help we can get. <laughs> yeah. There's also an area where you can subscribe. So if you wanted to subscribe to the show, you can do it straight from the website as well. That will take you to Apple or wherever you want to do it. So you can subscribe on there. There's an area to donate because you can now buy us a coffee. Yes, we probably won't spend it on a coffee, if I'm honest. We're probably going to spend it on the massive outgoings that we've got on the podcast. But if you like the show and you appreciate what we do, it's a lovely way of letting us know that you're enjoying it and it helps us financially keep this thing going as well. So uh, we'd really appreciate that. Then, of course, there's all of the Facebook links and everything uh, and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and everything so that you don't have to remember what I'm reeling off at the end of each show. You can actually go straight there. And finally, there is an area on the webpage where you can leave us a voicemail. Yay. Up to 120 seconds long, you can leave us a voicemail. And if it's clean and worthy of air, in other words, you're not screaming at us, then we'll put it on an episode. (laughs) But what if they go on there and go, we really love you? That's screaming. That's fine. Then we'll play it. Yeah, absolutely. Get your family together. Scream, we love you, down the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll go for that. That, That'll be on the air, definitely. (laughs) Spend a lot of time on that. Do please swing by there, have a look, and uh, let us know your thoughts. And now we can talk about what we're actually going to be doing here today. Okay, well, I've spoken enough, so I'll let you start. Okay, well, so I was reading some articles, surfing the web, doing my thing, and I came across an article that has to do with space. But I'm going to let you deal with that one. Because it got me thinking... Well, you know, we've gone up in space, we've done this, we've done that. We can say a lot about all the planets, even the ones that aren't even close, right? But we don't know really anything about, uh, you know, what's underneath of us in the Earth. There's speculation, and they teach us in science about it and all that. But I wondered how far down is the deepest that we've ever... Like journey to the center of the Earth, that type of thing. How far have we actually y- gone? Yeah. We've Did not... we dig to China? No. <laughs> And we also didn't get to the center of the earth neither, but I I mean, I don't think that would be possible. However, I do now know that the deepest hole that man has ever made in the earth is in Russia, and it's called the Kola Superdeep Borehole. It is seven and a half miles deep. Wow. And I know, right? And it was started in 1970, and it took them about 20 years of digging to get down that far. 20 years of digging. Can you imagine that? That is so not going out back as a child and digging in the dirt, you know? Yeah, no, I don't think they were using a bucket and spade, babe. No, no. So, anyway, they wanted to keep going, really, right? But they expected, obviously, the further down you go, that they were gonna, they were expecting it to get hotter. Cause, yeah, because you're getting yeah. closer to the core. 
but it got hot, really hot, a lot sooner than they expected. When it got to 356 degrees Fahrenheit, they had to stop. So that's pretty freaking hot. But anyway, so what they ended up doing was, you know, in the end, they get all finished, and now you got this big-ass hole in the ground. So what do they do? They stick a thing on it, you know, a steel thing over it, and bolt it all down so that nobody could fall in. Well, it was only nine inches in diameter, so I don't think anybody would fall in, but so that nothing else gets down in there. But I learned a couple of interesting things. One is that there's noise down there. There's sound, really weird sound. Some people think it sounds like screaming. And so, really? And so they've actually dubbed it sort of like, you know, hell. That's what you're hearing. Got me really interested when you said about they've covered it so that people don't fall in. And then you mentioned it's only like nine inches wide or whatever. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you were like a little field mouse. You're walking along, and then you fall down this hole. And obviously you fall in, you start screaming, right? Because obviously you fall in, you know. Ah! You'd get a really sore throat by the time you got anywhere near a mile, let yeah, and alone then, and seven then, and a half miles. And then if you're a mouse, you're going to get cooked. No, but then, but then, like, as the mouse is going down and it's falling, like, seven miles, it would have take, takes so long. It's probably thought, I can fly. I'm just able <laughs> yeah. to fly because I haven't hit the ground yet. I've got to be able to fly. Yeah, maybe maybe he panicked at the start and then was almost like when you jump out with a parachute and you yeah, skydiving. <laughs> stick his little paws out to the side. Anyway, you're sick. So yeah, so th- so they did say that there were you know there was sound coming out of it. So they actually did have an investigator go, uh, like a news person go, and lower the mic down into the hole, and there was sound coming out of that and nobody knew what it was could it be from? you know we're talking about mr black on the last episode and we're talking about plate tectonics and the yeah. movement do well, they reckon it's possibly something to that maybe they, screeching of i couldn't movement, find or? any reason why anyway so that's interesting so that gives you the whole satan bit of it however some other neat information about this hole is that when they got down to about four miles they started finding fossils of marine plants Okay. Four miles down. Also, they expected that, you know, because you've got the earth and then you've got rock and then granite and granite goes down so far. And then they say, oh, the scientists said that it would turn to basalt at a certain depth, right? Which was about two to four miles down. Well, that never happened. It's granite all the way down. That's a little weird because then that changes what science thought was down there. Right. Right. And the other thing was... They went down a little bit further, and they found water, flowing water down there. Hang so, on a minute. Sorry. If it's so hot down there, and it's hotter than, obviously, the boiling point of water, how did they find flowing water? I don't know. I didn't go. But let me read you what I got here. Okay, go on. Or let me tell you what I got here. Okay. Right. So, they found flowing water, which nobody predicted that they were going to find. There's a school of thought by some people that this verifies the fact of the biblical flooding, right? So, so I just thought I'd bring the God bit in since we had the, you know, we had the devil bit with the screaming in the hole. Now we got, so anyway, now they believe that there was so much pressure down there from everything kind of forcing it down that all of the oxygen and hydrogen atoms got pushed out of the rocks and then the impermeable rocks trapped water because now there's no way for water to get past there now Mm -hmm. so it's trapped 
the water under there. Scientists now believe that it was because of like the pressure and the oxygen and hydrogen being right, smushed okay. out, and that's how come there was water. I wonder if they actually termed it that. We found that the flowing water is due to the hydrogen and oxygen being smushed out. Well, you know. So, yeah, so that is our first foray into holes that man have dug in the earth. Excellent. I do have some more holes. Well, to talk about, I should say. I've got too some, many things. I've got some more that. holes that I can talk about. That you know, um, but would you like to talk about something now, and then I'll well, come back to a hole. Okay, we'll go on to. We'll come back onto your holes later. <laughs> You're gonna come back to my hole later. <laughs> You're incorrigible. Tell me something different. Okay, well, you know there was that signal that they found last year? They found a signal out in space. Vaguely. So there was a signal that they found out in space, and it was coming from the area of Proxima Centauri, which is our closest star, closest next to our sun, which is obviously our closest star. Yeah, Mm -hmm. So it's the next closest. And do you remember that film with Jodie Foster, Contact? Mm Mm-hmm. Where they discovered the same, well, it's the same sort of thing. They it was kind of boring, same. but yeah. Yeah, but it had Jodie Foster in it, so it did have something going for it. Yeah. So anyway, the Guardian actually leaked, apparently, so they say, some information in December that this signal had been heard. Not only had it been heard, but it was also repeating. Every 30 minutes, it would repeat. Right, okay. Okay. Which would make it sound like it was something man-made. Or alien-made. Okay, yeah, it's intelligently made, let's say. Well, it rules okay. us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, it was directional. One of the things that they used to determine that the signal isn't coming from somewhere on Earth, they move the detector, they move the dish a couple of degrees, and if it's still made by us then sometimes the signal can bounce off the ionosphere and back to us. So even if we move it a couple of degrees, we still hear it, It's the chances are it's coming from within our, our Earth. It's man-made, mm-hmm. okay? When they moved it just a couple of degrees, the sound would stop and would come back again when they pointed it right back dead centre onto Proxima Centauri. Right. Which makes it think that obviously it's coming from there. Originally, this was detected in... April or May of 2019, but it wasn't actually discovered or analysed until last year. The signal itself is a radio frequency that's 980.002 megahertz. The signal actually slowly drifted left and right, so although you have to be pointed on the star, it would actually move across that star left and right every so often, and that actually fits with the rotation of a planet around the star because obviously right. that would then that would then move now interestingly there are two planets that circle this star mm-hmm. or that orbit mm-hmm. this star the first one is seven times the mass of earth the other one is about 20 percent bigger than earth but that one is actually in the goldilocks zone so that's in the area where they believe is close enough to the star to support life for the heat that it gives but not too close where it would burn you up. Burn you up, yeah. However, it is actually a lot closer to its star than what we are to ours. And if it was our star, we'd be fried. 
if if we were that close to our star and the reason is is because their star is burning a lot less hot than what ours is it takes 11 days basically for this planet to to orbit that star now because it's so close to that star actually it would probably be a pretty inhospitable place because of all of the radiation mm-hmm. that that planet is being bombarded with and certainly carbon-based animals like ourselves would struggle with that radiation so if there is something there is it impervious to that kind of radiation yeah maybe radiation doesn't bother it yeah or doesn't bother it in the same way also the other interesting thing about this planet is that it's like our moon only one side ever faces that particular star so there's a dark side to the planet so you can imagine that the one side would be habitable and would be light and then the furthest side from that star would be in... So it's not spinning? No, it's locked in orbit, just like our moon is to us. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, I just thought it was um, it was pretty interesting. Because obviously the planet is only facing, or one side of the planet faces that star, it's going to be tidal locked as well. Hmm, that's interesting. It's, it is pretty interesting. I mean, really, when you actually look at the bones of this, they suggest that actually probably it's not life as we know it on the planet. By the same token, they can't explain what it actually is the other interesting thing about this is that because the information was supposedly leaked to the guardian in december it was found out by the way in october last yeah, year yeah yeah you said that okay but because it was leaked to the guardian in 2020 december 2020 it hasn't had a chance to be peer reviewed by other scientists yet so mm. it would be interesting to see what that that comes back with i think yeah. I think the most important thing is not that it could be alien life or it could not, albeit that that is interesting. I think it's the fact that we actually found it. You know, we actually found this signal that we've been looking for, this signal that is unexplainable as yet. Yeah. You know, it's the old adage, isn't it, that if E.T. phones, if E.T. does actually phone, you better make sure there's someone ready to take the call. Yeah. By the fact that we actually detected it means that maybe we're doing the right thing. Hmm. Well, yeah, but then I mean, I suppose the other the other thing is that if there is that one, you know, then there's probably another somewhere. There are billions more. You know. Yeah. Cuz us and that planet can't be all there is. So, so Actually, you've just reminded me. I don't know how because nothing you said there had any bearing on what I'm about to say, but it just suddenly popped into my head that one of the reasons why they think that it might not be an intelligently made signal is because our signals, so if you think of radio waves, you know, 98 to 104 FM or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's a range. And there's a range because obviously you've got different areas and different things that the frequency has to pass through means that you need different strengths of the signal to be able to make sure everyone gets it. Yeah. And this is only transmitting on that one frequency. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem like it's trying to send a massive amount of data it's almost like it's almost like a lighthouse beacon yeah yeah that is flashing the same thing over and over again without necessarily giving masses of information so could it be some kind of beacon could it be some kind of homing beacon could it be some kind of distress signal you know like superman's planet okay so what else have you got then? no 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 <laughs> but i mean you know it exploded exploded they had sent him out they could have you know they yeah, yeah, yeah anyway. in that comic. Well, you know, I can talk about this. You're, you're, you're like talking <laughs> about to... Star Wars. Like it's really. I didn't say anything. I about didn't Star say Wars. you said Star Wars, but I mean that's. Yeah, you did st- actually. I, I... <laughs> 
No, but <laughs> he said I'm talking about Star Wars. I never even fucking no, mentioned Star Wars. No, but I'm just saying, you know, people like me on the dumber side of the scale. I can I can relate to Superman, right? I get it. You're not on the dumber end of the scale mm. at all. We got we got equal footing of dumbness here. Okay? okay. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back onto your holes. Right. Okay then. The next hole that I'm going to talk about is one that they call the door to hell. Oh, I knew a girl like that. Really? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Go on. Okay. This is in Russia too, incidentally. At least it's in Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan? Turkmenistan, yeah. Turkmenistan. The hole was started in 1971 because they wanted to, they were looking for oil, right? Yep. They didn't find any oil. But what they did find when they got to 98 feet was a whole lot of methane. How do you say that here? Methane. Right, okay. Well, I say methane. But anyway, okay. So they decided that it would be the safest thing would be to start set it on fire, right? And they to were thinking and they're thinking mm. it's going to burn off and that'll be the end of it. It's still burning. Since 1971. Yep. And it's and it is now uh like a tourist attraction, you know. When but you think it's about still it, burning. When you think about it, I wonder what that's doing to the environment. Because, you know, like cows are supposed to be one of the most maybe damaging to the environment. <laughs> so, so maybe that's the uh, explanation for all of the pollution and, and the no, climate. Again, and actually, actually, no. Methane is a gas that, that damages the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, when cows fart, no one's lighting it. So maybe <laughs> that whole them lighting it is actually the safest option. Maybe what we need to do is everyone go around lighting cows' farts. Yeah, not we, you. You know, like fires, fireplaces, like gas fires, they've got a little, like, pilot light that yeah. sits on in the back. That's what they ought to do. They ought to just strap little pilot lights to, like, near a, a cow's bunghole. So you want to give a cow a strap-on? Uh, yeah, Is that a what you're saying? strap-on, yeah. Oh, uh, wonderful. Well, I am no. glad I'm not a cow. Well, that way, every time the cow farts, the pilot light will ignite the fart. No more damage trying I, you know, I could, okay. I could save the world's problems what? if I cared. We've gone from talking about the door to hell uh-huh. to a cow fart uh-huh. to giving a cow a strap on. Well, it's not a strap on in the way you're thinking strap well, on. Well, I'm sorry, but it's it, just like I put a candle mm, there. I don't care, but you have to go replacing it all the time. You don't want to put a candle there neither. I mean, I what reckon, would you do with the candle? Walk up, walk up to him and go. Boom, put it right in his asshole, and then he can't fart? I reckon, right? You get <laughs> He'd this blow little, up like a big old balloon. <laughs> I reckon it, it can be done quite easily, right? All you do is you attach some piezoelectric contacts, right, to the, what's it, what's it called? Your sphincter muscle of the, of the cow. Your bunghole. And, and, on its bunghole. And then when it farts and, and you get that movement, it triggers the piezoelectric to move. That causes the spark. It ignites the fart. No more greenhouse concerns. But what if the poor cow gets set on fire? No, well, you ignite it just outside of. I mean, you don't, you know, have you ever lit a fart? You don't stick the match up your ass. No, do you? I don't light a fart. Have you ever lit a fart? I've seen How it How old are we? How long are we? How old are we that you're, we're talking about bungles and cow farts and... You're a lot older than I am. A lot older. <laughs> mm. Okay, so anyway, we've talked about the door to hell. How about devil's sinkhole? Well, before we go any further, I find it interesting that 
the one hole made sounds that some people said it sounds like hell. Mm. And now we've got door to hell. Door to hell. Well, the other good thing about that is it is a door to hell for camel spiders because apparently they're attracted to the light Mm, well then, let's make some more burning, of them holes. And they go running and jumping into the fire. Well, let's go make some more of those. You, you know what? Actually, though, you really should, uh, if you get the opportunity, guys, you really should have a look at this because it looks awesome because it's all flat and then there's the hole and you can see all this, the fire just kind of swirling around rock. in there. It's yeah. really cool looking. How much methane was there in there, though, for it still to be burning? I don't know. 1971. That's 50 years ago. Make you wonder if they could use it in some way. It's too bad you can't use it for some sort of an energy source. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, it is at the moment, isn't it? If they could have trapped that heat that it was creating, I wonder what it could have powered exactly right. You know what Sod's law is, though? What will happen is is that someone will listen to this podcast and they'll go, that's a fucking good idea. That's been burning for 50 years. It's given off a lot of heat. I tell you what we'll do. We'll trap that heat. We'll heat water. We'll create steam. And off of that, we'll run some turbines that will power the nearest village. Great idea. They'll go there, set it up. What will happen? The Boom. fucking thing will go out. <laughs> Yeah. It? <laughs> 50 years to the dot right the minute they get it set up it's gone yeah as soon as they snip the ribbon for the opening ceremony yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's, anyway it'd make a cool campfire though wouldn't it well yeah yeah that'd sure be so. awesome i bet i wonder i bet bear grills made that didn't he <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Bear Grylls turned up in, in Turkmenistan one day and said, I'll show you how to make a fire. This is a, <laughs> and it's still burning 50 years later. Good on him. <laughs> the Devil's Sinkhole. That is a huge hole, 400 feet down, and it's got a 50-foot opening at the top. It's located in Texas, and it was formed apparently by some type of collapse in the surface layer. A sinkhole. Yeah, but obviously normally it's due to erosion underground. So again, they reckon that this is probably carved via water erosion that's happened over thousands of years. The thing is, is that there are artifacts that have been actually dated inside that cave. Oh, like my marine... My marine fossils from... Yeah, yeah. Well, they they say that these are between 4,000 to 2,500 BC. Okay, but here's something that's interesting. Supposedly, the Earth, because of wind erosion and all that sort of stuff, you would think it would be actually getting smaller. But then you got volcanoes and that that make it bigger. But the Earth must have gone through some serious changes. Yeah, especially in the to, case that you were talking about, that four miles on top of that is rock. Yeah. I mean, where did that come from? How did that happen? Yeah, the, because that, those marine plant fossils that you're talking mm-hmm. about needed sunlight. Yeah. So well, what happened that we got so big? Yeah, it's weird. Well, apparently this hole that I'm talking about, this devil sinkhole, is believed to have been used by Native Americans as a burial site. And actually they found arrowheads and burnt rocks inside the pit, which would point to some of the things that they would have done, some of the rituals that they would have gone through. Technically, this isn't a man-made hole. This came... It's, it, yeah, it's, but it's been used by man since. So obviously yeah. they've used the resources that were available to them. There have been people that have died from falling into the sinkhole. And I believe there's about three people that we know of that have died in modern times. One in 1900, apparently, and another in 1960. And then the most recent in 1972. It's not only man that's been using it because it's been home to up to three million bats throughout the summer, which you can imagine the sight of those coming out of the ground. It would look like something from hell, wouldn't it? If Probably at night they just like suddenly all fly down out. there too. Yeah, well, it's a big dark hole. I mean, it probably does. 
All right, then. Well, I guess that's about all we've really got time for, because now we're going to have to hand you all over to Ruth for her paranormal report. Well, here we are, start of a new year, and we're all hoping for a much better year, as hopefully the vaccines start to help as they roll out, and maybe we can start to rebuild our lives and see our friends and family again. In the meantime, I'm Ruth Roper-Wild, bringing you your monthly report on everything paranormal that happened to catch my eyes interesting since we last spoke. But before we move on to news reports of the paranormal, let's take a quick look at which cyclical ghost you might find in February, taken from my book The Almanac of British Ghosts, which has just been updated to include an index by county, as one reader pointed out that it would make it much more user-friendly for ghost hunters to check out what is in their own local area. As you probably already know, a cyclical haunting or anniversary ghost is one which is said to appear on a certain date each year, or in some cases every few years. The theory is that the date has some major significance to the apparition, such as the anniversary of their death or a battle or whatever. I've always found the theory rather strange. Anniversaries are very much a human concept, as is the measurement of time in calendar years. I can never quite wrap my head around the idea that the paranormal will use the same measurement of time. Some people will argue that the visitations are just an extension of stone tape theory. That is, the haunting is just a replay of what happened on that day, like a faded recording. It's not an actual entity, and that's why it sticks to the calendar date, because that's when conditions are right for the recording to replay. But I still struggle with that. Each year, any given date falls on a different day. The lunar cycle is different. The weather is different. The date is only an artificial construct applied by us which has no real relevance in the natural world. And to complicate matters even further, we changed our calendar in 1582 to the Gregorian calendar from the Julian calendar. It put our dates 10 days later than they were prior to the change. So if the anniversary the haunting is marking was prior to 1582, then the date is 10 days out of sync anyway. Nevertheless, there are numerous such accounts, and I researched the British ones for my book Almanac of British Ghosts trying to establish whether there are any actual sightings to go with the legends. The best place to be on February the 8th, or at least in a normal year when there's no lockdown, is the Talbot Hotel in Oundle, Northamptonshire. The Talbot Hotel is a Grade 1 listed building, parts of which date back to 638 AD, and the main building, still standing now, was rebuilt in 1626. Some of the stonework which was used in its construction, as well as the main staircase, are said to come up from nearby Fotheringay Castle, where Mary, Queen of Scots, was held for a number of years before finally being executed on February 8, 1587. Allegedly, the Queen walked down those very stairs on her way to her death, and it is this association which leads to claims that the royal ghost therefore haunts the hotel where those stairs are now located. Technically, the haunting is supposed to occur predominantly in February, according to most sources, but 8th of February was the actual date of her death. I couldn't find any records detailing the sale of the staircase from Fotheringay to the Talbot, so this has to be relied upon as a word-of-mouth tradition. The story is that Mary can be seen as a full apparition in one of the bedrooms, then walking down the stairs wearing white, or else heard weeping around the area of the stairs. Legend also states that her executioner stayed at the Talbot the night before carrying out his ghastly duty and that he dined heartily on pigeon pie. One paranormal investigation team visited the site in 2011 and recorded some slight light anomalies, which were slightly different from the normal dust or insect orbs which digital cameras routinely pick up. There was nothing within their investigation to either confirm or deny the presence of Mary, Queen of Scots. Our next location is the Tower of London, which of course needs no introduction. 
It has many ghosts within its ancient walls, but the one we're interested in is the cyclical one, which one source claims can be seen as a vague white shape flitting around the tower on the 12th of February every year. 12th of February is the day that Lady Jane Grey was beheaded in 1554. Only 17 years old, she spent just nine days as the Queen of England before being deposed by Queen Mary, later to be known as Bloody Mary. Lady Jane Grey and her husband, Guildford Dudley, were imprisoned in the tower by the new Queen, and a few short months later, Lady Jane had to watch her husband being led off to his execution before suffering the same fate herself. It seems quite possible it would be her ghost that is attracted to that particular date. And finally, for an anniversary ghost today, although there are plenty more for February in the book, I thought we'd pop up to Scotland and take a look at the tragedy of Glencoe. Glencoe lies a few miles south of Fort William and Ben Nevis in the Scottish Highlands. It's a lonely, windswept place of immense natural beauty and is illustrated on the cover photo for Almanac. In August 1691, King William III of England declared that all the Highland chiefs had to swear their loyalty to him by the 31st of January 1692 or else suffer the consequences. The MacDonald clan of Glencoe, under their leader Alistair, were late signing the declaration by just a couple of days and the English king decided to make an example of them for it. Troops were dispatched from Fort William and they billeted themselves on the clan who were forced to house and feed them and treat them with hospitality for around two weeks. In those days, the forcible act of billeting troops was heinously expensive and was probably designed to deliberately reduce the grain and food stores of the clan and, of course, thus its disposable wealth, whilst at the same time saving the king some money and paying for his army. On February the 12th, the king had his emissary write to the captain and the order which gave the signal to attack on February the 13th is chilling even 400 years later in its cold-hearted wording. It said... You are hereby ordered to fall upon the rebels, the Macdonalds of Glencoe, and put all to the sword under seventy. You are to have a special care that the old fox and his sons do upon no account escape your hands. You are to secure all the avenues that no man escape. This you are to put into execution at five of the clock precisely. And by that time or very shortly after it, I'll strive to be at you with a stronger party. If I do not come to you at five, you are not to tarry for me, but to fall on. This is by the king's special command, for the good and safety of the country, that these miscreants be cut off root and branch. See that this be put into execution without feud or favour, else you may expect to be dealt with as one not true to king nor government, nor a man fit to carry commission in the king's service. Expecting you will not fail in the fulfilling hereof, as you love yourself, I subscribe these with my hand, February the 12th, 1692, signed R. Duncanson for their Majesty's service to Captain Robert Campbell of Glenlyon. So as well as ordering the clan chieftain, the old fox, and his sons to be murdered, the note orders that the soldiers cut the miscreants off at root and branch, usually taken as meaning the women, the roots, and the children, the branches, should also be killed. So as ordered, on February the 13th, the troops attacked the people they had been staying with for the last two weeks, killing 38 of the men while they were at rest. The remainder, including the women and children, fled into the unforgiving mountains in terrible weather, where around 40 more of them died of exposure or starvation after their settlement was put to the torch following the massacre. Today, it is said that if you visit the Glen in the early hours of that February morning, you will hear the screams and cries of the McDonald's, or see vague shapes of people fleeing through the mists or hiding behind boulders. One writer says that when driving through Glencoe sometime in the early 1990s, he saw a young man with a wild and angry look about him, 
wearing a traditional kilt and carrying a sword over his shoulder, striding along with bare feet a few metres from the road, with a woman in a dress and shawl struggling along behind him, also barefooted. He doesn't mention whether this happened to be in February, but he does describe the weather as cold and drizzling. And many people still write of the haunting and eerie feeling that pervades the Glen today. So let's take a little look now at the paranormal in the news over the last few weeks. The News and Star in Cumbria reported on the 28th of December that they had made a freedom of information request to the Cumbrian police to ask them how many times they'd been called out because of a ghost. Which is a bit of a novel use of the Freedom of Information Act. (laughs) Anyway, the answer was seven times. Once in the south of the county and the others in the north and west. Sadly, they didn't list what exactly they were called out to, which might have proven interesting. They attended to five of the calls and made appropriate referrals to health teams on arrival. The next story was reported in the Sun newspaper, but comes from Port Victoria in Australia. A gentleman called Tyler Thornton was looking to sell his recently deceased grandfather's house. He duly appointed an estate agent who went round to the now empty property and took photos to post with the property for sale listing. The agent sent the photos to Tyler, who was more than a little astonished to notice that in one of the shots taken from outside the property, the shadowy figure of his grandfather can be seen in the kitchen window, looking for all the world like he's washing the dishes. The newspaper has printed the picture, and if we take it as truthful that the property was in fact standing empty, then it really does look like someone is standing there washing dishes. It looks like a slim-built older gentleman holding a plate in his hands. The grandfather had apparently built the house himself and lived there for over 25 years, so perhaps he'd simply been so content with his life that he didn't want to leave. But some comedians seeing the picture were less upset at the idea of a haunting than they were that they might still be required to do the dishes in the afterlife. Staying with the Sun newspaper, they reported on the 22nd of December that radio presenter Zoe Ball thinks her recently deceased cat, rather oddly named Monkey, is still present in her house. Monkey was unfortunately the victim of a road traffic collision in early December, but Zoe's adult son Woody, himself a television personality, is sure he can still hear the cat meowing around the house. On the 18th of December, Wales Online reported a photograph taken by a ghost hunter, which I have to say, if genuine, is particularly creepy. Kayleigh Love from Swansea was visiting an abandoned mental health hospital somewhere in Wales. She has wisely kept the location private to prevent property damage. She was doing a walkthrough during the daylight with a video recording going in order to load that to her YouTube site. She loaded the video in October, but it had been up for a couple of weeks when somebody commented on the figure that she'd captured. So she went and played the video again, frame by frame. Sure enough, on one of the frames, at the end of the corridor and framed against the light of a doorway, is a very clear female figure with straggly looking long hair and in what looks like a shapeless hospital gown. She wasn't in frame when the camera was actually pointed down that bit of corridor, but as the camera pans away, she is in the very last frame. Assuming that it's not simply a fake where a friend has dressed up, it's a very creepy looking capture and worth a look if you go to Kaylee's YouTube channel, which is called Love to Investigate. And the last thing I want to do is send out a plea for any of your own stories. I've just published my fifth book and I'm at the point of twiddling my thumbs, looking at my database and deciding how to cut the data for the next book. The other five books have all been cased in the UK. Is it time to branch out and cover wider, do you think? Cover some American ghosts, maybe? Or is it time to write the second volume of Roadmap for British Ghosts? Send me your stories and your thoughts and what you'd want to read about to wa-1400 
at outlook.com and work will start on book number six sometime later this month. And so finally, I just wanted to wish you all a happy, healthy and safe 2021. And I hope that things can start to return to some sort of normality. Take good care all. Do you know, that's my favourite report that Ruth has done. That is the whole idea of that calendar and the way the calendar has changed in 1500 and whatever yeah, that yeah. was. Damn it, Ruth. Now you've just thrown everything out of whack. Now we got to go back and start thinking about everything from a whole new perspective. Yeah, we got to do a whole load of new podcasts that's now. That's what I we mean. we got to delete the old podcasts because they don't make sense anymore. No. Well delivered, Ruth. Really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was a, good, it was a good one, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. And now we've got Richard Lenny with his report. All right, then. Let's hear what he's got to say. Hi, and welcome to the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful podcast. I'm your host, Richard Lenny, speaking to you from somewhere on planet Earth. Today, I want to go off planet Earth, and I want to concentrate on the moon, our moon, to be precise. Now, for years, I've been saying there is a base on the near side of the moon. And I've always said it was the crater Aristarchus. Now, for you, for you guys who don't know where Aristarchus is, if you look at the moon as a clock face from uh, Great Britain, it's around about the 8 or 9 o'clock. And you'll see it because it glows like a mini sun. You can see it with your own eyes. You don't need a telescope. It'll just look like a very bright dot around about the 8 or 9 o'clock position. It'll go up depending on whereabouts in the world you are. But... The moon's been in many movies over the years, and you can see it, I mean, on film, you can see it with your own eyes, it's there, it's unmistakable. Google it, you know, Google our moon, and you'll see it, you can't mistake it. It's a very bright spot, and it's around about the 8 or 9 o'clock position from Great Britain. Now, I've always said that that is a base, but if you Google Aristarchus and you look at NASA photographs, you'll see that it's just a grey, dull crater, um, quite a large one. I can't remember the exact size of it, but it is quite big. Um, but there doesn't seem to be anything there. Um, there doesn't seem to be anything in it. You know, it just looks like a very boring, flat, big crater. Going off to the right-hand side of it, there are some weird lines that go off and then th there's another crater there. In fact, there's one above it and there's a couple to the side of it in this area. Now, I don't know what these lines are, but to me, they look like tunnels. Um, I know that rocks can move on the moon and they leave a trail behind them, but this is not that sort of a, uh, a trail. This is completely different. This looks like that the... the the earth has been moved up and it's in like a tunnel sort of like shape. So it looks like there's something from underneath that's tunneled across. If you have a look um, and zoom in on the, uh, on the crater and you look to the side of it, you'll see these lines going off it. Now I have got um, a couple of videos. One shows a UFO coming out of this crater and another one shows four either taking off or landing um, in the crater next door to it. And I'll leave the links below for you to look at. 
but it's undeniable. I mean, the one with the um, UFO coming out of the crater of Aristarchus, it actually looks like it's coming out of it. Now, it'll be very wavy, you know, because obviously we um, have caught this from Earth through a very powerful telescope, and of course it can it can't get through the atmosphere, so the atmosphere shows up as a wave, um, which proves that it's real, by the way. Um, if you don't get a wave at all, that means then it was taken from space. And of course, there's no way at the moment we can go into space. So the only way we can get an image of the moon is by a, a very powerful telescope here on Earth. And unfortunately, we're going to get this wavy look to it. But apart from the wavy look, you can see it. It's unmistakable. It's a UFO. It's an unidentified flying object. It's sort of oval in shape. Um, it's lit up. It's hard to see exactly if it's made of any substance, but um, it looks disc, a disc-shaped craft, and it looks like it's coming out of the crater. And then on the other video, you've got what looks like lights. You get one, and then another one appears next to it, and then another one appears, then one goes out, and then another one appears, and then you see all four. And they're hovering over the crater next door. So they're either landing or they're taking off. That's what it looks like anyway. But what are these things? Where do they come from? Who's controlling them? These are all questions that need to be answered. Now, I'm not saying for one minute that these are extraterrestrial. They could be ours. I mean, we could have a base on the moon. They could be humans flying these craft. But whether they are human or whether they are extraterrestrial, we need to know. And I don't understand why NASA are hiding it from us. Because NASA knows for sure, either way, whether it's, you know, they've got men on the moon that they have put there um, or whether they're extraterrestrial and they know about them and they're observing them. Either way, there is something going on on the moon and we have visitors there. And I'm sure that Aristarchus is a base. Now, there are certain photographs of Aristarchus that shows like a bluey hue color to it. And it looks like it's got a dome on the top. I don't know whether, you know, that's exactly what Ariscus looks like and the others are just being doctored by NASA. Um, it's, it's a possibility. But um, I know that with some shots of Ariscus, they have been done professionally with a very powerful telescope here on Earth and they've used filters. So, but at the end of the day, you know, whether it's got a blue hue to it or whether it hasn't, we have two facts here, guys, that are 100%. The first fact, we can see Aristarchus from planet Earth. It's the only crater on the near side that we can see with the naked eye. And it's lit up like a sun. You know, why is that? Where's this light coming from? Um, secondly, I've got video proof now from a very reliable source that we have craft landing near the the crater Aristarchus, and we have one craft that's actually what looks like is actually coming out of the crater. So this is pretty much, you know, 100% proof that there's something going on with this crater. So guys, if you've got telescopes, find Aristarchus, put your tele put your telescopes on it, and just record and see what you catch because it's about time we had more of these videos because I think. They're coming and going on a regular basis. I mean, I've got photographs of four spheres leaving the moon 
I've got photographs of spheres leaving our Earth and going to our moon or heading towards our moon. Mr. John Wilson, you've probably heard of him. He's a ufologist. He's also an astronomer. He's a very good friend of mine. He's actually videoed and tracked a double sphere, which I call the dumbbell sphere. And we actually tracked it, leaving the Earth, going into space and heading towards our moon. And I think that's what's going on. I think we have a lot of these spheres that we see, which I've talked about on previous podcasts, where you can see them through night vision. You can see them through camcorders during the day with an infrared filter. I think a lot of these spheres are up in there in our skies that fly near our planes and sometimes even hit our planes. I think they head towards the moon. So I think a lot of these are coming from the moon and I think that's where they're based. And then they come out in, you know, squadrons, whatever you like to call it. And then they fly down onto Earth, do their thing, observe us. Maybe they make crop circles, which I believe they do. They follow our planes and then at nighttime they fly back up and they go back to the moon. And I suppose they go back and they download all the stuff that they've recorded during the day. And then they come back and they do exactly the same thing the next day. And this is what they keep doing. But there's quite a few of them. I mean, I think there's one sphere to every 10 miles throughout the circumference of the Earth. But that's my own theory. And I've been um, observing these spheres now for years. And I personally think that's where a lot of them come from, from, from our moon. And these videos are very important. So I'm going to leave the links down below. And then, of course, you can go to that and you can see for yourself. Because at the end of the day, you know, I could be I could be totally wrong about these spheres on the moon. I mean, there may be something completely different. You guys might know what they are. I don't know. But um, there's one It's called. Find the in fact, I've got three. I've got UFOs flying in formation near the moon. So I'll leave a link for that one. I have another one which is called four UFOs flying over the Aristarchus moon video 4k and then the third one um is called four ufos arrive on the aristocus crater of the moon now that one shows um the single ufo coming out of aristocus as well and that's all on the same video so what i'll do i'll leave the links down below and then you can obviously um, go over on your leisure and, and have a look and see what you think. Also, um, on my Facebook page, I've got still photographs of UFOs um, near the moon and also, you know, what looks like leaving the moon and also heading towards the moon. So you can check all those out as well. Also, I've got some lovely photographs of Aristarchus all lit up in a bluey hue. <laughs> you know, I mean... I think that's what it actually looks like, but I could be wrong. Anyway, there's this new thing we're doing now on Weird Wacky Wonderful where you can leave a voicemail via their website. So you can actually leave me um, questions, if you like, which I can answer on the next one. Or, you know, you can just tell me what you think they could be. If you think you know something I don't know, then please tell me, share it. If you disagree with what I've just said, and rich, you know, they're not um, UFOs, they're something completely different, blah, 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 then you tell me, okay, because I want to know. I mean, I could be totally wrong. So to do that, 
you need to leave a voicemail via the website, which is www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. And um, I'll um, look forward to listening to them and seeing what they say. And as I said, if you know stuff as well, then please get in touch and let me know. And on that note, this is Rich Lenny signing off from somewhere on planet Earth. Oh, my goodness. Now we've got to worry about stuff on the moon. I mean, they just got that little rover thing you dropped at Mars. That was amazing, and, though, wasn't and now, it? And now he's got to be thrown in some maybe lunar bases and things. Do you know the um, picture of Mars that NASA released? That there's a blue sky. Really? Hmm. So I wonder. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. Maybe the rover's not on Mars at all. Maybe it's in wherever they film, like Star Wars. Arizona or something, or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the desert somewhere, yeah. No, but, but have a look at the picture. Have a look, and you'll see. It's the color picture that they released. You can see the ground. You can see the little rover. And there you can see some, some of the horizon. And and blue sky. Wow. Well, anyway, Richard, thank you very much for that. That was really interesting once again. And definitely food for thought regarding that lunar base. Going to keep my eyes open for that. So between 8 and 9 o'clock, he said, yeah. on the clock face, if you imagine the moon as a clock face, I'm going to be looking at that. Next time we get rid of some clouds... Around here, yeah, so that we like, can actually see the moon. I'm told the moon exists, but I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> or the sun. Or the sun, exactly. And definitely follow what Richard said because you can leave those voicemails on our website as well, www.wewackywonderful.co.uk. And we will make sure that either Ruth, if you leave them for Ruth or Richard, or we get hold of them. You can even leave a voicemail for Tom if you listen to the Reminiscing with Tom shows as well. You can leave a voicemail for Tom. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you as well. That's all we got time for today. Thank you once again for spending your time with us here on the Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast, and we will be sure to see you again soon. But until then, you have to, you absolutely need to, make sure that you remain Weird, Weird Wacky, Wacky and, and Wonderful. wonderful.